You guys doing well? All right. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Pastor Dan. I have the privilege of serving as youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. Uh, pastor Jim uh, is not here, and so I got the call from the minor leagues to pitch in the majors today. And so, so excited to, to be with you uh, this morning. Some of you might be thinking, like, I don't believe this youth pastor guy. I don't believe he actually works with teenagers. Well, believe it or not, last weekend, uh, we took a group of teens. We had a winter retreat called Reboot. And uh, we had an awesome time. There should be a picture of kind of our group that went. And uh, we saw four young people uh, make a decision for Jesus this past weekend. It's really cool. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was cool not only to see young people make a decision for Jesus, but also just to be around the young people and to love on them, encourage them, disciple them. And so I'm so glad I'm part of a church that cares about the next generation. Aren't you glad you're part of a church that cares about young people? that cares about the next generation. Um, and speaking of, of cool things as far as, like, you know, people making decisions, all kinds of stuff, we actually, I was told that uh, we have a full house second service, which is awesome. More people are coming because they want to hear about Jesus. And so our main and the link is full. And so if you're sitting here in the main, you're kind of toward the ends, let me encourage you to kind of scooch in a little bit because we actually have people in the hallways who are trying to get a seat. And that's a good problem. Can we, get, can we praise God for a good problem? We have people who want to hear about Jesus. So if you're on the ends, let me just encourage you to kind of scooch in a little bit. Uh, well, a couple weeks ago, I got a, a, a phone call uh, from a young man, and uh, it so happened uh, that this young man, he wanted uh, to call and talk with one of the pastors uh, because uh, he had an issue that he wanted prayer for. And so he called, and uh, he, talked, he was able to talk with me because it was my on-call day. And uh, so I had an opportunity to talk with this guy. And uh, I introduced myself. Hey, you know, my name is Pastor Dan. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. And uh, so we talked, got to pray with him. And uh, afterward, though, I, I guess he kind of forgot that I mentioned my name. So I was like, who, who are you again? Like, are you Pastor Mike, like that new guy? And I said, no, no, I'm Pastor Dan. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. And then there was just like this awkward silence for a couple seconds. Like the wheels were turning. And then he said this. I'll never forget. He said, oh, yeah. You're the short one. And I, was, and I thought to myself, is like, am I known as the short one here at Grace Community Church? Like when I'm, you know, talking to people in the hallway and you walk by, you're like, hey, short one. You know, hey, what's going on? It's a short guy, you know. And so I thought to myself, okay, let's put this to the test. Like, am I really the shortest pastor on staff? at Grace Community Church. We have this other pastor. His name is Pastor John. I don't know if you know who Pastor John is. He was one of the guys, you know, the red-haired guy doing the announcements. He was that guy. And so we look, we're about the same height. And so I want to say, okay, are we really, you know, who's, who's taller, who's shorter? And, and going with the theme, our theme this year is more than. I want to see who has more height than the other person. So this goes right along with our theme. I think it's really important. And so we're going to see uh, who is taller. We actually took scientific photographic evidence of who the taller person is. But before we show that picture of who is taller, I want to do a quick poll here, name the link. I want you to think, okay, who do you think is taller, Pastor John or myself? So raise of hands, who thinks Pastor John is taller than myself? Just raise your hand real quickly. Who thinks Pastor John, you guys are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Who thinks that I am taller than Pastor John? 
Now, I just want to make sure I clarify the question. We're not asking who's better looking. We know that answer. <laughs> we're not asking that question. We're just, asking, we're just saying who's taller than Pastor John. Well, uh, I'm going to show you some uh, photographic evidence of who is taller, Pastor John or myself. Show the picture. Who's taller, Pastor John or myself? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are like, oh, hating and all this type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> You know, there's just all this kind of big stuff going on in the NFL with, like, deflating footballs, you know? Well, we don't deflate footballs here. We inflate height at Grace Community Church. It, our tech guys weren't. Come on, you guys are naughty. You're not supposed to put that stuff up there. Well, actually, yeah, I was, I guess I was cheating. I don't know. And so this next picture shows the true story. <laughs> yes, Pastor John has more height or is a little taller than I am. So, John, if you're in the audience, anywhere in the main or link, I have to make a public confession. Uh, you are taller or have more height than I do. Well, joking aside, our theme this year is more than. We want to be a church that's more than. When people see people from Grace Community Church, we want them to think, hey, that person is pretty, there's something different about that person. God's working in their life. They're more than just an ordinary person. And so that's our theme this year. And I want to kind of unpack that more than theme a little bit, especially if you want to hear this last week. And so let me encourage you to open up your Bible, the book of Hebrews. And we're going to kind of go through Hebrews real quickly. And I want, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means uh, to be more than. Uh, what, what really does it mean to be a person who is more than in Christ? And so if you don't have a Bible, I'm encourage you uh, to raise your hand, the main or the link, and we'll have our ushers will be gladly to give you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd be more than happy uh, to give this Bible. This Bible is a gift from Grace Community Church to you. So let me encourage you to turn to the book of Hebrews. We'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 1. And as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 1, let me give you a little background information on the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to a Jewish audience. And so the Jewish people of the first century, they were asking some questions. Who is this Jesus guy? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is he, is, is he is who he says he is? Is this, who is this Jesus guy? And so we're going to real quickly go through the book of Hebrews and give you kind of an overview about this Jesus guy, okay? So turn to Hebrews chapter 1. If you have a Bible that has subheadings, we're going to look at some of those subheadings real quickly. That way you can kind of get an overview, overview or an idea of what we're kind of uh, looking at. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 1, uh, your subheading, uh, if you kind of peruse through, it might say this. It might say, Jesus is superior or he is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than the angels. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. If you look at the kind of subheading before that, uh, your Bible might say, Jesus is greater than who? Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. Hebrews 3, verse 3 says this. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself, Jesus is greater than Moses. So we have Jesus. He's greater than Moses. That's like a modern day saying. Uh, Jesus is greater than any president that's ever lived. He's greater than Abraham Lincoln. He's greater than George Washington. He's greater than President Obama. Jesus is greater than. He is greater than. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. He is greater than the Sabbath. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Jesus is our what? 
He's our great high priest. He is greater than any other priest. He is greater than. One more, Hebrews chapter 10. Look at the subheading of Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus is the greatest sacrifice. He is greater than any other sacrifice in human history. Grace Community Church, listen to me. The only reason why you or I can be more than is because Jesus is greater than. Amen? That's the only reason why we can be more than. Without Jesus, we're a less than. And that is our goal this year. Um, if, you're, if you're kind of new visiting Grace Community Church, trying to wonder, like, what are, what are these people about? <laughs> we're about Jesus. And we're about a Jesus who is greater than. And so uh, last week we talked a little bit. Pastor Jim uh, explored the more than concept that Jesus, uh, he's, we're, we're more than a conqueror. We're not just a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror. And that's what Jim looked at last week. Well, this week we're going to talk a little bit about hope. We're going to talk about human hope and God's hope and how uh, if we have hope in God, God's hope is more than human hope. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. This is going to be our main passage. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, we're going to really open up uh, this passage and kind of delve into it. Uh, let me encourage you. 1 Corinthians 15, it's a great chapter in the Bible. If you have questions a little bit about uh, the resurrection, like what it means that Jesus rose from the dead, or I want some proof. I want some evidence. I want a little bit more about, you know, Jesus rising from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a great passage on that. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. And this is where we're going to kind of park and where we're going to explore what it means to have hope and how God's hope is way more than human hope. Uh, Let me encourage you, if you're in the man in the link, if you could stand and we're going to read this passage of Scripture together. Uh, We're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to be reading verse 32. Here we go. Ready. Read. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You may be seated. I believe hope. Hope is one of the most powerful motivators in in our planet. Think about this morning. Why did you even get out of bed this morning? See, if, if we don't have hope... Why not cocoon yourself in and forget about the, pro- the world's problems, the day's problems, and enjoy the nice, comfortable bed, right? Uh, hope is a powerful motivator. I, I believe you're here today because you're, you, you want hope and you, or, or you believe in the hope of Jesus. See, hope is a powerful, powerful motivator. I believe a, uh, a person can have there are three different types of hope. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 32 talks about three different types of hope, and we're going to break it down for you. You guys ready for me to break it down? You guys ready to break? Let's, let's break it down. First Corinthians, wicker, wicker. First Corinthians, fifteen thirty-two. We're gonna break it down. Three different types of hope here. Okay, uh, look at the very beginning of, of the passage, fifteen thirty-two. The first type of hope is a misplaced type of hope. I believe there are a lot of people in the world today who have a misplaced type of hope. That passage of scripture says. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? This is what Paul's saying. If I fought wild beasts, in other other words, if I was like a gladiator type of individual, 
okay? And I fought wild beasts, but I did it with, for my own benefit, for my own glory, to kind of promote my legacy, and I did it for the wrong reasons. Even if I give up my entire body, it means what? Nothing without Jesus. This is what I find out about misplaced hope. Most misplaced hope is upon who? It's upon us. We place our hopes, our desires upon us instead of Jesus. And this is extremely easy to do. My question to you is, do you have a misplaced type of hope? You might be giving your entire body to something. You might be working so hard at your career or whatever it might be, but if you're not doing it for the right reasons, it means nothing. Let me tell you a story about an individual uh, who has a misplaced type of of hope. This individual and I, we go way back. I've known him for a long, long time. Uh, He worked hard in college. Uh, He did internships. He got a great job with a company, with an organization. He did such a good job that they gave him a signing bonus out of college. That's pretty big stuff, you know, like it's like ESPN draft day, you know, sign your name here type of stuff. He got a signing bonus to be part of this organization. But unfortunately, he has a miss placed type of hope. What's happened the last six months is pretty uh, shaking. It's pretty uh, revealing of where this guy's hope is. Within the last six months, he bought himself a brand new car. And we're talking about a nice car. We're talking about the convertible type, brand new convertible. And, you know, the first couple of weeks of buying that thing, he was like, you know, you know, going all over the place and taking pictures and all kinds of stuff. Within a couple of weeks, I never saw another photograph. You know why? Because trying to find gratification, satisfaction in a vehicle, material things, it's not going to happen. That's a misplaced type of hope. This individual, he broke up with his girlfriend and got a new girlfriend. And he's just as unsatisfied there. Relationships are a misplaced type of hope if they're not founded upon Jesus. This individual works for corporate America. And uh, the place where he has, they have like 12 levels. Every level has a Starbucks, okay? He got addicted to Starbucks coffee. He averages 12 cups of coffee a day. Caffeine can be a misplaced type of hope. Things were starting to spiral for this young man. And so he started dappling with drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol are a misplaced type of hope. One of the biggest things that gave him a rush in life was selling things on eBay. You know, like, because he just, you know, he's got that, you know, oh, I can't, can't wait till I sell this, whatever. And so he's, he's, he had this huge rush about eBay, but it's a miss. Selling things on eBay is a misplaced type of hope. What I didn't tell you about this young man is that he's been going to church his entire life. In fact, he plays on a, on a worship praise band every single morning. You see, we can come to church. We can know Jesus is Lord, but he ultimately isn't our master. We can have a misplaced type of hope. A lot of people today, they tell me, like, Dan, like, I just want to get a rush out of life. You know, like, I, I want to feel that rush. Let me tell you this. Following Jesus is the greatest rush anyone can have in life. Amen? It's the greatest rush anyone can have in life. It's the greatest rush. Because when you're following Jesus, you're living by faith. You're sharing your, 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 the gospel message with other people. And that's hard. That's scary. But the, it's the greatest rush anyone can have. Not caffeine. Not relationships. Not a convertible. Not Starbucks coffee. 
Jesus Christ is the greatest rush any of us can have. Where's your hope? Do you have a misplaced type of hope? Some of you guys might be familiar with an individual. Uh, His name is Albert Pujols. Uh, He's a baseball player and one of the best baseball players maybe of all time if he keeps doing what he's doing. But uh, a few years back, uh, he was a great hitter. Um, During the regular season, uh, he won uh, like the the batting title. He won the Most Valuable Player Award. They went to the World Series. Uh, His team won the World Series. He was the Most Valuable Player of the World Series. I mean, this guy, he had like the best statistical year one of the best statistical years in the history, and they won the World Series. Eight days after all that, guess what Albert Pujols did? Eight eight days after winning the World Series and all these accolades and all these titles, guess what Albert Pujols did? He took a vacation. He took a vacation. You know what he said? He's like, uh, all this euphoria, all this excitement, it lasted eight days. I worked hard, and everything I, I tried to accomplish, eight days, all that excitement. See, any, if we build our life upon anything other than Jesus Christ, it, it, it will fade away. It will not give us the rush and excitement long term. I, I wonder if some of us got the same rush of, about following Jesus that we get like when we get like a text message from somebody or like Instagram or like a Twitter thing. You know how your phone vibrates or like makes a beep and you have to get it. Like you, it's like, oh man, I got this anticipation. Like I have to get it. You know, I wonder if we had that same rush, that same hope um, the same gratification in Jesus that we, do our, that we do our cell phone. Think about it. I mean, think about your cell phone. You, if you're like me, I sleep a couple feet away from my cell phone. I charge it. It's right there. You know, it's one of the first things I do in the morning. I grab my cell phone. I check ESPN, the weather, Facebook, whatever it may be. I put it in my pocket. My cell phone's with me wherever I go. And so, like, anytime it beeps, buzzes, tweets, whatever... There's, there's my cell phone. I have, I have to check it. Think of, if you had that same rush about following Jesus Christ. Like, is your Bible next to your bed? Is that the first thing you turn to other than your cell phone? Do you have that same hope and faith in Jesus that you have, like, in your pocket? Like, do you have God's word in your pocket? I find it incredible how young people are so attached to their cell phone. You know the easiest way to drown a teenager without water? Take their cell phone away. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. I've seen, I've had to take, you know, like different mission trips, take a cell phone away. The kid's gasping for breath. Like, I can't live without my cell phone. No lie. Ready for this? uh, My wife and I, we went out for pizza last night. And so we're talking and there was a teenage girl uh, that was eating next to us. So we struck up a conversation. She told me that in her high school career, she transitioned schools. And in that transition, she was at a school for two days, but she had to transition back to her other school. You know the reason why? She couldn't have her cell phone at school. So she had to transition back because she was so attached to her cell phone. Listen, this can become a misplaced type of hope. Do you have the same rush, anticipation when you, get, when you pray, when you're sharing your faith in God's word, than on this device? This can be a misplaced placed type of hope. There was a football coach. His name was Bobby Dodd, and he coached uh, Georgia Tech as a college football team. And uh, they had a good team. They're getting ready to, they're playing a bowl game. They're getting ready to go in, and they're getting ready to win um, this football game. The score was seven to six in Georgia Tech's favor. They had the ball on the opposing team's 10-yard line, and they were getting ready to score. They're getting ready to push it in. But there's only like 
15, 20 seconds left, so there's no point in school, you know, risking a passing play. So the coach, Bobby, sends in a play and tells the quarterback, whatever you do, don't throw the ball. Like, don't do it. Like, we're going to win the game. Don't throw the ball. We're up 7-6. to six. There's only a few seconds left. Don't throw it. And so what does the quarterback do? He wants to run up the score, right, make it look a little bit bigger. You know, maybe he's following the Tom Brady type of thing. I don't know. But I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But so, they're, so he's getting ready. He calls the play. He calls the play. It's not a running play. It's a passing play. He throws the ball. Guess what happens? It gets intercepted. And it only gets intercepted. It gets intercepted by the fastest defensive back in the country. Okay, and it's seven to six. It gets intercepted. And this guy's got nothing but green grass ahead of him. He's flying, flying down the sideline. The rest of the Georgia Tech players, it's it. We lost the game. And so the, the guy who caught the ball, he's going 50, 40, 30, 20. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eyes, he sees the quarterback who threw that pass. And that quarterback is gaining on him. 20, 15, 10, and he's right behind him, five, and he knocks him out right before the goal line. Time expires. Georgia Tech wins. They don't score the touchdown. And everyone's like, no way. A quarterback caught the fastest defensive back in the country. That is crazy. That's just crazy. And so afterward, you know, the coaches, they kind of meet in the middle there, uh, the 50-yard line, and they kind of congratulate each other and all that type of stuff. And so the coach, the opposing coach, asked Bobby, the Georgia Tech coach, he's like, that makes no sense. Like, that was the fastest guy in the country, and your quarterback caught him. How in the world did he do that? And Bobby said this, and I'll remember this quote forever. He said, your player was running to win the game. My player was running for his life. probably really was. <laughs> and if you think about it, that's the way it is with misplaced hope. See, if we have a misplaced hope in ourselves or our abilities, we will fall short of the goal line every single time. If you're running and you're running for your life and you're running for Jesus, you will run faster, you will run longer, and you will run harder than you ever can with anything else. That's the type of God we serve. Do you have a misplaced type of hope because you will fall short of the goal line every single time. Or are you running? And are you running for the prize that God has called for, for you to run? Do you have a misplaced type of hope? There's a second type of hope that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A second type of hope. The first hope is a misplaced type of hope. Do you have a misplaced type of hope? Second place of hope, I mean, second type of hope is lost or no hope. Some people, they have lost hope or they have no hope. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do you have a lost hope? Do you, are you, do you just feel like, hey, I just want to give up in life? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to pick it up in verse 32 again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So the first part of that verse, remember, talked about no matter if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, no matter if I gave my entire life, if I don't do it for Jesus, it means nothing. The second part of that verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 32 says this. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, 
for tomorrow we die. Here Paul uses a hypothetical statement. He says, if. So if the dead are not raised, in other words, if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then our, our hope means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then everything that's talked about in Scripture is false. Then there's nothing to look forward to after death. We just die. We rot. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, life means nothing. If life means nothing, why not have a party? Why not eat, drink, and be merry if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? I believe this. I don't believe it. I know it. We have more than enough evidence that God raised himself from the dead. We have more than enough evidence, and because of that, we can have hope, and we can have life. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, the early part. We're going to look at verse 3. We have more than enough evidence that Jesus raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 3, and we're going to read a couple verses. Some people might say, yeah, prove to me, Pastor Dan. Prove to me that, okay, God raised himself from the dead. Like, I, I don't believe it. This is a great passage. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For, I, for what I received, this is Paul, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the 12, the 12 disciples. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. How many? 500. One more time. 500, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So if people had a question in the first century, uh, I don't believe this resurrection from the dead type of thing. Like, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Paul's saying, hey, here's a long list. Here's 500 people who saw the risen Lord. 500 people. So if you have a question about if Jesus really rose from the dead, here you go. You can talk to these 500 people. And guess what I'm sure a lot of them did? They talked to those people, and it was substantiated. It was backed up. Jesus has rose from the dead. And because he's rose from the dead, you can have life. You can have life. You can have hope. Uh, my parents, uh, after every church uh, service, my dad was a pastor, and uh, we would get in the car after, you know, uh, church was done, we'd get in the car, and uh, my mom would always say this. She's like, what type of Sunday is it, guys? And everyone would respond, it's Victory Sunday. What type of Sunday is it? It's Victory Sunday. You know why it's Victory Sunday? Because Jesus rose from the grave. And that's why we celebrate on Sunday instead of Saturday like they did in the Old Testament is because Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. We can have hope. So when you get in your car after church, you know, like you have that more than little keychain. Hopefully if you were here last week, you have a more than keychain. Uh, Jim said, hey, get in the car. And remember, you are more than a conqueror, right? You are, you're more than Ivan the Great. You are John the Great. You are Tim the Great. You are Beth the Great. So I want you to get in the car, and I want you to remind yourself that you are more than conquer. And if you have kids or other people in the car, I want you to say this and remind them of this. What type of Sunday is it? It's Victory Sunday. What type of Sunday is it? What type of Sunday is it? What type of Sunday is it? It's Victory Sunday. It's Victory Sunday because he rose from the grave, and that's why we celebrate on Sunday. Every Sunday is Victory Sunday, therefore you can have life, you can have hope. Every Sunday. That's why we celebrate on Sunday. 
you can have that hope. I'm gonna go through a list of some religious leaders, and I want you to tell me where they're at right now, okay? Uh, here's a leader, Muhammad. Where's he at? He's in the grave. Confucius, where's he at? He's in the grave. Joseph Smith, where he's at? He's in the, Jesus Christ, where's he at? He's, he's, he's alive. He is risen because of that hope, you can have hope. We can know for a fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you can have hope. You can have that hope. Proverbs chapter 11, verse seven says this. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. So if you have your hope in a mortal, uh, another person for your salvation, when they die, what happens? Your hopes die. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. But because our God is alive and he is well, our hope is meaningful. I believe this with all my heart. When you say that a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. When you say that a situation or a person is hopeless, you're slamming the door in the face of God. Some of us kind of have that type of mentality. We see an individual and we think, dude, look at them. Like, they're hopeless. Like, they they have no hope. With God, there is hope. Some of you might be feeling yourself, man, I I feel hopeless. I, I don't have hope. My life is hard. Like, you know, I'm a single mother or like my work is hard. If you only knew how bad my kids were, like I feel hopeless. With God, there is hope. God is not only a God of love, he's a God of hope. And when we say that a person's hopeless or a situation's hopeless, we are slamming the face in our God. I believe it's easy to do, right? It's easy, it's, it's easy to kind of forget God's power in our lives. It's easy to, to forget that we are more than conquerors, that we can have more than hope in God. It's easy to forget that, and life kind of presses in, and we, we kind of tuck our tails and, and just kind of moop around. Uh, I'm going to share with you a quick story. I've shared this before uh, in public. 2007, the year 2007 and the year 2008 was a really difficult, it was one of my, the darkest days of my life. Um, I graduated from Lancaster Bible College, and I transitioned to a church in northern Indiana, and I did what I, you know, I definitely uh, knew to be God's will and do what you do after college, right? You, you graduate college, you get married, you start a job, you start a family. Like that, you know, that was a desire of mine. That's why I, that's what I was going to do. Well, a month and a half before I was supposed to get married, my fiance, you know, pulled the rug out from under me and said, I can't do this. I'm going to have to break things off. So here I am, stuck in northern Indiana. There's nothing to do in northern. So here I am. I'm st- I was stuck in northern Indiana, I didn't know anyone. My closest family member relative was four hours away. So, I mean, there, I didn't have family. I didn't have any relatives. Everyone lived out east. And so for a couple of months, I, not only was I grieving, but I was kind of mopey. You know, I kind of put my head down. And, was, and then something clicked when I was on the couch. And I, I'll never forget it. I, could, I, I thought, I was like, okay, God, like, uh, we, have, we have some different types of hope here. Am I going to lose hope and give up? Or am I going to trust in the genuine hope of Jesus Christ that he will never leave me nor forsake me? And every day after that, it was a daily reminder, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. Next day, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. Next day, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. Next day, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. And here's the incredible thing about it. 
he has done immeasurably more than I could have ever asked for or imagined. I've got a beautiful bride this day. I've been able to uh, youth pastor some phenomenal teenagers. It's a, I would not be here at this church if it wasn't for that. God can do, through your pain, through your hurt, he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Going through that difficult time, uh, I, was, I was shown a verse. And this verse means a whole lot to me. And I would like to share it with you because it talks about hope. It talks about how you can have hope even when you're hurting. Even when you want something to happen, you can still have hope. Turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 12. Proverbs chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 12. No matter the darkest circumstances, you and I can have hope. Remember, there are three types of hope. You have misplaced hope, lost hope or no hope, and then you have genuine hope, and that's through Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to look at verse 12. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A lot of you guys, you can understand that first part, right? Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And so when we have a hope, it could be even a good hope, a genuine hope. You know, for me, I had a hope of getting married and starting a family. That's a good hope, right? When that gets deferred, when that gets delayed, it what? It makes our heart sick. We grieve. It's hard. It's difficult. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Amen? A lot of you guys might be thinking, dude, a tree of life? Like, what, is, what does that mean? I'm, uh, okay, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I'm glad you asked. I brought myself a little tree here. I'm going to explain something here. I have a little tree that I brought. And so a longing fulfilled, this is a real tree, by the way, okay? Uh, A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Let me explain a little bit about what a tree of life really entails. Uh, We're reading the book of Proverbs here. Proverbs is is, uh, an Old Testament book. And so the Old Testament people had a different understanding about trees and and some of those type of things than maybe you or I have. If you look at a lot of the major events in Old Testament history, when a person uh, was trying to consecrate or dedicate something, uh, not only would they build like a stone memorial, sometimes they would actually plant a tree. Look at the end of Genesis 21, Abraham plants a tree. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, uh, are they like hardcore environmentalists? You know, like, why are these Old Testament people planting trees? Well, they're planting trees for a number of reasons, and it has everything to do with hope. Your hope could be a tree of life. First off, when they plant a tree, what they're saying is this. This small tree will one day grow. And when it grows, I have the hope that my kids and my grandkids will enjoy its shade. You see, the small hope that you have in God, your kids and your grandkids, they're watching. And it is making a difference. What they're also saying is, if I plant this tree, then I have a small amount of hope this tree is going to grow and it's going to provide some shade. Have you ever had like a nice picnic lunch? It's a, it's a warm sunny day. You have a big, there's a nice big tree and you're like underneath it in the shade. Like, isn't that refreshing? 
And so what they're saying is, is that with this little bit of hope, this little tree, I'm going to find my shade, my rest, my comfort, my joy in Jesus Christ. And all he's asking for is a little bit of hope. You know, if you have a little bit of hope or faith, this tree will grow. And not only will it grow and give you rest, peace, and comfort, but it'll also grow to maybe provide protection. You ever built like a tree house in a tree or like a big storm comes or something happens, you have to find protection in a tree? See, your hope might be a tree of life because you are protected by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all he's asking for is a little hope, a little bit of hope. I was driving uh, down Route 6 the other day, and I was looking at, you know, some wooded areas. And um, if you look at all these wooded areas, the, those wooded areas look, they're pretty dead right now, right? It's winter. And so there's not a whole lot growing. Just think if you were like, you walked out. They're calling for like an inch or two of snow, snow today. So you walk out in this wooded area and you see a little tree. This tree will give you a little hope for your future, for life. And even the darkest of your days, even the coldest of your days, Jesus Christ can give you hope. A longing fulfilled is like a little tree it can give you hope. This is all he's asking for. This is it. A little hope. That's all Jesus is asking for. In Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah says this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. If you have hope in Jesus Christ, your leaves will always be green. And all Jesus is asking for is a little bit of hope because he will take the seeds of your hope and he will make a great tree, a tree of life where you'll find rest, where you'll find protection, where you'll find comfort and peace in the shade of God's arm. But you know, a lot of times we forget that. And it's all because of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give you guys an opportunity uh, to be more than, to understand that my comfort and my hope is more than human hope. It's, it's, it's only through God that I have this hope. And, and some of you guys might be, you're feeling down, you're struggling. You have an opportunity to claim this. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you're more than a conqueror, and you have more hope than human hope. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give you guys an opportunity uh, to pray for each other. And so um, if you are feeling, man, I do want to give up. Or, man, I, got a, I have a misplaced type of hope. Uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to stand. And we're going to surround you. We'll have different people. And we're just going to lay hands on you. And we're going to spend some time praying, man, that God would give you hope. This is all he's asking for. It's a little bit of hope. It's a little hope that will turn into a tree of life. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to, to place your full hope in, in Jesus Christ. And so if you're in the main or the link, and there's no shame in this at all, if you're like, man, I got a misplaced type of hope. I got a lost hope. And I would like to claim the hope in Jesus Christ today. I'm gonna ask you to stand. There's no shame in this. Uh, feel free in the main or link. Will you stand? And as you see people are standing, will you, will you place your arm around them? Will you place your hand on them and say, I got your back. We're all, we're all brothers and sisters of the Lord. We can have this type of hope. 
And so, man, if you want, if you want people surround you, you want to claim the soap, let me encourage you in the manner link. Why don't you stand? As, as, as soon as you see people coming and standing up, let me encourage you to walk over to them. Hey, I'm a brother. I'm your sister. You can have hope in Jesus Christ. Once again, let me encourage you, man and link. If you want hope, let me encourage you to stand. Uh, people, uh, man, we're brothers and sisters of the Lord. You can, your hope is like a tree of life. And so if you see people that are standing, will you just place your hand on them? Man, we can claim it. We can have hope in Jesus Christ. God's hope is more than human hope. And let's pray. Oh, let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, I pray, help us to be people who care about you. Understand that your hope is more than human hope. We can find comfort. We can find peace. We can find rest uh, in the shade of your tree. All you ask for is for us to have a little bit of hope. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And you can give us that hope today. So I pray for all these individuals who are they're struggling with, uh, with different things. They have a misplaced hope. They have a lost hope through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that they will have a sincere hope through your son, Jesus Christ, and that you will help them claim this every single day, day after day, that you will give them this hope. And God, help us to proclaim that uh, throughout, the, throughout Goshen, throughout the rest of the world, because you, God, you are not just a God of love. You are a God of hope. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's worship. Our God is a God of hope. Let's declare it this Sunday.